Chris. How did you spend Coronation Weekend? I spent it at Safeway. I was all about the vegetables and the fruits. To be honest, I didn't think about the Coronation. Oh, I did listen to the Sex Pistols song, God Save the Queen. That shows that you were involved. It says, as involved as I got, listen to mm-hmm. some anti-royal punk rock. We went to a Coronation dog show. What? I mean... The entire country had Monday off. So what are you going to do? Have a dog show. I got to ask, did the King Charles Cavalier win the dog show? We didn't stick around for the official big show. We stayed for the little mini competitions, which were things like best dog treat catcher and waggiest tail, the really cute ones. Oh, it sounds like more of a fun dog show. I don't know how seriously you could take anything, especially giving out ribbons for Waggiest Tail. I mean, who cares about the purebred Greyhound? I think Waggiest Tail is the best one to get. Or what about yeah. Lickiest Tongue? Another one was Best Child Handler. Oh, as in it, it handles children? I like that I don't actually know. I assume that it's the best child walking a dog. That like rounded up children and put them in a corral or something. Like you you go take it to the park and it handles all the children for you. That would be amazing. The other fun thing for this weekend was that Josie's uncle, who is a drummer, came up from Paris and we got to see him play at a cafe. Nora got to go. So Nora got to hear live jazz for the first time and see her great uncle play the drums. Oh, that's really cool. It was on the way to the cafe where we saw the Vietnamese place and we got a Bia Saigon, sugarcane juice, soda chan, the lime soda, a bowl of bun cha. It was great. They even had the shrine in the front. It smelled like pho, like we were right back there in Saigon. That sounds incredible. Yeah, there's a pho place that I drove by the other day on my way to Chipotle. And I was like, I really want to stop at the pho place, but I have a gift card for Chipotle. And so I went to Chipotle instead. I'm kind of regretting that decision. I asked where this gift card came from? Uh, my credit card company for using so much credit card. They give me gift okay. cards. Uh, what I wanted to ask is a friend of the podcast. Is Chipotle a friend of the podcast? No, I don't know. No, no, no. Is a friend of the podcast who felt that what you needed most in this time of your life was a gift card to Chipotle? Uh, no, though any friends of the podcast are welcome to send me Chipotle gift cards at any time, because any time is uh, a good time for Chipotle. I'm going to say that if anyone sends me a Chipotle gift card, I'm going to just put that right back in the mail and send it to you, Chris. Well, thanks, Evan. You're welcome. I'm also going to think twice about my relationship with the person who sends me a Chipotle gift card. Welcome to Opposite of Neutral. I'm Chris. And I'm Evan. Evan is a teacher by trade, an engineer by training. He has taught in New York City, China, and Saigon. Evan has a top 10 list of his favorite fingers. They are as follows. Number one, ring finger on the left side, because that's where his wedding ring is. Number two, thumb on the right side, because that's where his hitchhiking is done. Number three is pinky on the right side. Number four, 
pinky on the left side. Number five, middle finger on the left side. Good for flipping some folks off. Number six, middle finger on the right side. Also good for flipping some folks off. Number seven, pointer finger right side because he likes to point. Number eight, you get the point because it's a pointer finger on the left side. Number nine has to be the ring finger on the right side. I mean, there's no ring on it, kind of useless. And number 10 is his left side thumb. It has never helped him in his hitchhiking experience. What's really funny about you doing this list is I have been thinking about this all day. About your fingers? I didn't, well, yeah, I thought you were gonna make me rank them. And so I started thinking and you made this so easy for me and I'm so grateful, Chris. I do want to say there's something fascinating about the ring finger that you maybe did not know. Tell me. The ring finger is actually controlled by two different nerves. One is the median nerve, which goes through the center of of the wrist. And the other is, I believe, the ulnar nerve, which does not pass through the median nerve. And I know this because I have carpal tunnel. And when my hands go numb, because I'm sleeping on my hand wrong, what will go numb is my thumb, my index finger, my middle finger, and the thumb side of my ring finger. The other side has full feeling. When I go biking, it's the reverse. Somehow, the way I rest my hands on the brakes, I'm putting weight on the ulnar nerve, and so I actually lose sensation in my pinky and half of my ring finger, but the rest of my hand is okay. Wow, that's kind of crazy. News you can use. Not sure how, but yes. Moving on. Chris Wolf taught social studies and history for a number of years at the high school level and dabbled in middle school in the great state of Washington, Qatar, and Vietnam. Chris has a tradition that on the 10th day of the month, he does a rundown of the top 10 of something, usually on Facebook is where I see it. Chris, yesterday was May 10th. Tell us about your rundown. I did top 10 things in spring because this is the first spring I've had in America in well over a decade. So I was thinking about spring and all the vibrant green colors, the flowers that are popping up everywhere, the changes I'm seeing around me, and just sort of did a spring rundown there. Awesome. Yeah, it really is. You forget what an amazing season it is because there's so much change that's happening. Like you get those touches of winter and touches of summer within there. And it's sort of a beautiful feeling. Like you, today I walked home from dropping my car off for an oil change and I had jeans on and a t-shirt. I'd taken off my layer and absorbing the sun, but also had that cool breeze at the same time. Just that great feeling. You get a little bit of the best of both worlds there. I would right. put spring in my top 10 seasons. Excellent. Speaking about top 10, I think that's our topic of the day. And the reason, as we got into last episode, that top 10 is topic for today is that this is the 10th episode of the podcast. We're on fire. And because it's our 10th episode and we've made it big now, I have set up an email address for the podcast, Chris. No way. Opposite of neutral podcast at gmail.com. You have an idea for a topic? 
send it to the email. You want to contest some of the facts from a previous episode? Send us an email. You want to give us your own top 10 in response to some of the things we do today? Send us an email. Opposite of neutral podcast at gmail.com. Because <laughs> frankly, the podcast website on Spotify just can't handle the traffic that we're getting from all of your messages and entries into the Q&A. So send them to the email instead. That's amazing. Well, congratulations, Evan. I think I'm very excited for us. I think I'm just going to have a glass of Tillamook cheese champagne to toast this later. I am just learning so much about the different products that they have. The sliced Munster cheese lasts time to the champagne. What will they think of next? I don't know. Those food scientists at Tillamook thinking of great things every day. I bet Tillamook has the Tillamook 10, the top 10 cheeses of Tillamook. Although I think this does bring up an important issue about top 10 that I found as I was thinking about some top 10s. I don't think that top 10 is about ranking necessarily. Like what is first place versus what is 10th place? I find that it lets me think out of a huge number of options. Just what are 10 of your favorites? I agree with you, Evan. I think for me, the top 10 is more of a thought exercise. You know, I, for example, doing the Facebook top 10s, this is a way for me to say, okay, I'm just going to put some thoughts out in the world, do some thinking about things that I'm seeing. And sometimes I would just hear 10 pictures from the last month and just sort of put them out there to be seen. But it's more of that thought exercise. In fact, I even use this in class. For example, when I was teaching AP US history, I had students do the top 10 events of the American Revolution or battles of the Civil War. And sort of as a thought exercise, to get them to think, okay, what are the battles of the Civil War? And why are these important? Because they then would have to justify why these things would go on their list. Battle of Gettysburg, because this leads to a turning point for this reason. Battle of Antietam, because this you know, leads to the Emancipation Proclamation. Sort of having these pieces there allows them to process. Was there a right or wrong answer? Absolutely not. But we definitely had those conversations because of that top 10 exercise. Well, and once you're looking at somebody's ideas, you can agree with them or you can argue. So it's an easy way to start a conversation. So I decided that because of this thing that I was feeling about ranking versus not ranking, I did some rankings. I did pay extra close attention to my number one. I said, all right, I'm going to force myself to do a number one. So I am going to give you my top 10 savory snacks. Ooh, these are things they're not necessarily good for you. Like when I say snacks, we're not talking about raisins or, or just unsalted cashews. Nobody um, eats those. I mean, people do, but nobody yeah, really, I, eats right? I, they just put them in cookies to make you think there are chocolate chips in there and then fake you out. I remember it, I as know. a kid, my mom would put the little box of raisins in my lunch and I would eat them, but only because they were there. Not really because I wanted the raisins. Sorry, Mom. The coolest thing about having those boxes of raisins was that you could blow through the box and it would whistle. I have to buy myself a box of raisins now. Yeah. Okay. So top 10 savory snacks. I have some disagreements and discussions on this, but that's what we do 
at opposite of neutral podcast. I'm going to start at 10 <laughs> and I'm going to go up to number one. Ready? Okay. So my number 10, those gigantic mixes of the rye crisps and the pretzels and the sesame logs and all those things all together, all salty. That's my number 10. You're not talking Chex Mix. No, not Chex Mix. No. Chex Mix is sweet. But it's also salty. It's classified as sweet though. Because at the end, no, you drizzle it with not. that. You drizzle it with that sweet sauce, don't you? No, you don't. You make it. No, I, we don't. Okay, maybe that's an Ohio thing. West Coast versus East Coast. This I hear about people in the Midwest putting like Snickers bars in their salads. You know, like that sort of thing. I don't do that. Okay, maybe that was just in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Number nine, those dried, crunchy anchovies. We had them in Japan. We had them in Vietnam. You can get them with, is it peanuts or cashews? I don't remember, or almonds. Josie is yelling and saying that it's peanuts. Okay, well, dried anchovies and peanuts, followed by, this is from China, Sichuan pepper peanuts. That sounds good. Anchovies are not not loving, but Sichuan pepper peanuts are really good. So good. All right, that's it. That's number seven. Number six, Doritos Cool Ranch. Number five. Number five, Pringles seaweed flavor. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I skipped a number. No, I'm still doing 10. My numbers are off. 10, <laughs> 9, 8, 7, 6. Number five, honey mustard pretzels. The ones with the powder on them. Number four, Fritos. I would get just Fritos. Fr- wait, just plain just Fritos? regular Fritos. Just plain Fritos. I love them. I had some in Portugal. My friend Mac, we all went to the beach and he bought Fritos at the convenience store and wow, did they ever hit the spot. Amazing. Number four. Number three, kettle chips. Number two, Pringles wait, hot wait. and spicy. Hold yes. on. Just just all kettle chips? Not a specific all kettle flavor chips. there? No. That's a cop-out. I'm thinking okay, go ahead. it's not a cop-out. No, no, I think it's a brand. There's a brand that is kettle chips. Right. I know from it refers Oregon. to a method of cooking them, but it specifically says kettle chips on the bag. Right. I know they all They're, say kettle chips. It's I'm, a I'm saying it's favorite. the brand. Okay. okay. But not a specific flavor from the brand. You do not like the, the original Dijon mustard ones. Okay. Original. Excellent. No. Thank you so original. much. Original. Just straight up. Oh, man. My number one is going to really piss you off. I know this after that. Pringles hot and spicy. Are you ready for number one? Yes. Pringles original. I'm with you on the Pringles original. I love Pringles original. It's like a taste of home. I always, that's one of my homesickness like things. The funny thing is I don't buy them at home. I don't buy them in America. I only buy them overseas. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Well then there's no argument here. This is great. I, I personally like some of the other, like the, the stackable lays with the, oh God, what was it? The, Chili squid were really good, as well as the spicy lobster. I think those would definitely have to be up there. I was Googling weird Pringles to remind myself of what we had in Vietnam. I found some convenience store lists, and I had forgotten about the lobster one. Yes, I did and like this that. Su- and this summer, I'm going to introduce you to Tim's jalapeno potato chips, as well as the other oh, delicious great. flavors. All right. Do you ha- have any other additions to my list, or should I do sweet snacks? With an editorial comment. I think sweet snacks with editorial comments. Because I think you heard me list like seven different kinds of chips. Because I think I'm more of a chip fan there. Mm -hmm. I realized that when I was thinking about sweet snacks, we're talking processed food, 
vending machine for the most part. I realized that all of these are really influenced by something in my childhood. There's nothing here that I really discovered as an adult. Everything here is something from my childhood. So here we go. Let me count one more time and make sure that I have 10. I do. Great. Number 10, those powdery, dissolvable, melt-in-your-mouth dinner mitts. What? Then I can imagine not even making the list. This list is rubbish I, already. I love them. And as much as, I, as much as they might gross somebody out or even gross me out for liking them, if I have them in front of me, a dish of them can disappear and has on occasion. Number 10. Number nine, and this is a shout out to my mom, peanut butter balls. Did you ever have someone make you peanut butter balls, Chris? No one has ever made me peanut butter balls. Would Wait, you like I, to I know? It, I think I've probably had it. Are you talking just like a ball of peanut butter or are we talking like a... <laughs> this is why I still think that my mom may have made this up herself. I have never Googled peanut butter balls, nor do I want to right now. I have never, <laughs> never Googled it. And I will not now. If anyone wants to and send a message to the email address for the podcast, go ahead. But I don't want to know. My mom would make these after school treat. It is peanut butter. It is honey, powdered milk. You roll it all into a ball, and this is essential. You put it in the refrigerator. It has to be cold. Otherwise, those balls just don't do what they're supposed to do. So you don't like the warm balls in your mouth? Definitely not. I just don't. So that's number nine. Uh, number eight, circus peanuts. Wait, when was the last time you were at a circus, Evan? Uh, when was I in a circus? New York? I was in a circus in New York. I think New York. I think I went to a circus in New York. And did you get peanuts there? But no, no. I'm not talking about peanuts that you get at a circus. I'm talking about those orange things. They're sort of marshmallowy. You bite into them, and there's like this, this little whisper that comes out of the two sides as they separate. You don't know what I'm no, talking okay. about. I don't, because... In my mind, I was actually picturing you at the Three Ring Circus, big top tent, buying peanuts. But then I realized that's not a sweet treat. So my imagination so went the wrong direction. Uh, circus peanuts, it comes up. Wikipedia, first answer, circus peanuts. All right, I'm going to look, look at a picture here. The story behind circus peanuts in our family is my grandmother would always buy circus peanuts for my Uncle Harold because she understood that he loved them. He never said anything of, like that, apparently. There was this moment when I think he, he broke the news that, no, I've never liked these. You just have always bought them for me. But I tried them, and I really liked them. And to this day, I still like them. I haven't had them in a while. Have you found them? I have. I'm reading about the history of them how they were sold in jars as a sugar replacement when sugar was rationed in World War I. Sorry, World War II. It's originally banana flavored? Yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. I'm guessing I've probably had these, but I'm guessing this is more of a Midwest thing. Could be. They led to the creation of Lucky Charms in 1964 when a General Mills employee chopped the pieces into a bowl of Cheerios. This is incredible. Wow. This is news you can use. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead, Evan. That was number eight. We're only on eight, Chris. I want to give you your chance. So number number seven, Thin Mints, Girl Scout cookies. 
Mm, I'm more of a samosa, not samosa. No, what are the ones? Tagalongs. Yeah, there's yes. samosa cookies too. Oh gosh, Girl Scout cookie varieties. I got to look these up. I don't think we... it's samosas though. Uh-oh. I think it's soy samosas. It's thin mints. Samoas. Yeah, they're caramel delights, also known as Samoas. Those are the best ones in my mind. I think the thin mint is an overrated cookie. I know that's an unpopular decision, but I'm there. It's not minty enough for me. I like that it's not minty. I'm hoping Andy's mints are up there later. Number six, nerds. Number five, McDonald Land cookies. Warmed because of whatever they do in the McDonald's to keep the cookies warm. I think it's probably being above the fryer. Number four, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Wait, that's only at number four? It's only that's number four. That's highly controversial right there. It's in the top five. Number three, peppermint patties. Like a York peppermint number, patty with the dark chocolate and the peppermint? There is the mint. Number two, Twizzlers, You're not, Twizzler? the, not the traditional wow. red ones. They're the See, freshest. I'm a Red Vine fan. We are. This is a Red yeah. Vine family, not a Twizzler family. There you go. Number one, candy corn. I love candy corn. I think that's definitely highly ranked up there. I told you that I bought some extra bags of candy corn after Halloween, mm-hmm. and one of them disappeared. I don't know where it is. I don't know if I misplaced it in the house somewhere. Or if someone ate it and didn't say anything, but I'm missing a bag of candy corn. Chris, I told you to hide one of them so you would forget I know, about it. But I don't remember where I, I thought I knew where I hid it. It's just not there. This is perfect. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be the greatest moment, and you have to write me, call me immediately. Okay, I will do. Excellent. All right, well, those are my, my ranked snacks. I think we could just do a whole podcast called Top Tens. You know, that's the, uh, that is, this is a a good topic overall. You could just throw out Top Tens and have discussions. Because while I disagree with some of your ideas, like one thing I can't believe is there's no ice cream on your list. Like an ice cream sandwich or, or better yet, a peanut buster parfait or an Oreo blizzard. But Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I think is number one, way up there. And I would go for like the Andes mints over the after dinner mints. I like the mints you get on the pillow in those fancy hotels. But you got some good ones there. What are a nice warm chocolate chip cookie? Yes. Freshly baked. All right. Let's get healthy with this, then, Evan. Let's talk about meals. Top 10 mm-hmm. meals of your life. I was thinking about this. Like when you brought that one idea up. You said, okay, where in the world? What was the food, the context? You know, like in my mind, I remember years ago, a friend of mine, we had a a really great potluck, like really good people, lots of great food. And I think he said, you only get five of these meals in your life. And I thought it was like a, a really cool idea at the moment. Like you only get five great meals. And then later I thought, wow, that's a poor life if you're only getting five great meals. But Let's talk about that. Let's talk about great meals. Let's do a little back and forth because I didn't rank mine. I just threw some ideas out there. No ranking here either. Absolutely not. So many of these connect with a moment in time. Like I started going through my photos because I do sometimes take pictures of my food and I stopped because I said, no, 
if it's truly a meal with staying power, if it's truly in my top 10, I'm going to think of it. I'm going to remember it. I can't just rely on my digital brain to tell me, oh yeah, that was a really good one. And so I think I have a picture of one, maybe two of the 10 that I picked. Let's get at it. You start. All right. I'm going to start with a pre-digital meal. It was in Germany. We're in the small town of Bacharach on Rhine. And I had the most delicious chicken and asparagus. It was white asparagus and the chicken was succulent and delicious and moist. It was like the best chicken I've ever had. And I think we had a nice bottle of wine as well. But it was just this small town in Germany. We were backpacking around Europe and ate here and we were eating outside and like the train was going past the river was right next to us so it was just like this really sort of magical moment and just Emily and I eating this like the best chicken of my life and I don't really think of chicken as a great meal except that one day it was so delicious and so savory mm, that sounds amazing all right Thanksgiving 2004 at my friend Lisa's house Lisa is the friend who introduced me and Josie, my wife, when I moved to New York City. This meal was a surf and turf meal. So we had steak and gigantic king crab legs together with, I'm pretty sure this andouille sausage stuffing and other things. It may not have been Thanksgiving, but Lisa and her family would go all out with their meals. Her dad is a, an amazing cook and enjoys gourmet cooking. And they would make a menu, a printed menu to show everything that was out there. And it was very over the top. And it was one of my favorite things ever. And I remember distinctly as I was eating, the various people there were putting more food on my plate. And Lisa's dad was just saying, boy." as I was eating more steak and more crab legs. And I was so full, but I just, I, I like pleasing people. And uh, it was people so pleaser. delicious. So I just kept eating. That's good. Mm. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to like, there's, I realize I've got such a big list here. I'm trying to like sort of hone it down a little bit. I think about our trip that we took to Dalat. And we went to the chef's table there. You went to mm -hmm. the chef's table with me. Yes. And we had a delicious meal, the squid ink pasta, just once again, had so much flavor, was so delicious. It was absolutely incredible. And it was one of those meals that it was just the friends, the, you know, the food, everyone together, just a wonderful evening. I'm going to throw a Vietnam meal also, very different scenario. This was on our trip together just over a year ago and it was that bowl of pho that restaurant that served at the summit between kim jong-un and trump that on stools and just had a bowl of of that pho and it was amazing the spice not fancy just delicious not fancy indeed i think we were in an alley and they were trying to park motorbikes around us yes yeah i don't know how they got the catering job for the summit, but it's pretty impressive. And actually, I can imagine neither of those leaders eating a bowl of pho, but 
everyone who was there supporting them, loving it. No, there's All no right. way that uh, they ate it. No, I'm jumping to New York City, and I'm going to talk about a French meal that Emily and I had. So many of these are just me and Emily together eating a great meal. We wanted French food. Emily wanted to get out of the soul. We ordered escargot. It was just so buttery and fresh and delicious. It was on the upper east side of New York City. Emily and I had gone there for spring break, left the kids at our parents' house, and we had just sort of a nice romantic trip to New York City. It's, I think, our first time in the city together, and it was absolutely fantastic. And that meal from that French restaurant was its actually better than any of the French food I had in France. So well done. That sounds so delicious. I'm going to build off of that. This is also New York. This was when I came to New York in the spring 2003 for my interview to be part of the New York City Teaching Fellows. I took the bus from Boston to New York. I think by directions, it was something like four and a half hours, but because of traffic and because of when I was going, which was afternoon on a Friday, it was probably six. I arrive, I am starving, and I was staying with Lisa, the friend where I had the surf and turf meal. And I show up, I say, hi, Lisa, I need food. She says, you're in New York, what do you want? And I said, I need a corned beef sandwich. So I went to the Second Avenue Deli and had all for me an overstuffed corned beef sandwich with mustard. I can still taste it. And I've had other similarly stuffed corned beef sandwiches since then. But the combination of being in New York, showing up starving, and knowing that I was about to have a job interview the next day, I remember the sandwich. And I think I will for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Well, speaking of job interviews, I'm thinking of the time Emily and I went to Bangkok for the job fair. And we were staying at the Sheraton because that's where all the events were. And I was looking out over the river from our hotel and I looked across and there was this little restaurant sort of on the water across the river, little hole in the wall. And I looked at Emily, I'm like, I want to eat there. So we went down, found the little five-bot ferry across, walked our way through the beach, had to cut through a hotel, find our way into this like this little opening right on the river and sat down, ordered, and my favorite Thai dish is green curry. And it was mm -hmm. absolutely the best green curry I ever had and ever will. I cannot imagine a better green curry than that. And it was in this little hole in the wall place that we could just sort of see from our hotel. I just, something in my mind said, this is going to be it. This is going to be the best meal that you're going to have. And I was right. <laughs> so good. Again, hearing the story of what's going on around the meal is so important. Of course. You, you saw it and you knew you had to have it. Yep. See, my, my top meals here, I would not have assumed that they were going to be on this list at the moment they were happening. I had no idea. After a night out with friends in Montreal, we woke up. We were not at our best, but we went and had, maybe it was French toast, not pancakes, but it was something with syrup. It was a combination of French toast 
that also had cheddar cheese and bacon. And talk about sweet and salty with the Chex Mix. I was never a fan of putting the two together until this meal where admittedly, probably hung over, it was exactly what I needed at that point in time, point in space in the universe. See, it's funny, I had a bunch of things on my list and now I'm thinking about some great breakfasts I've had and many of them are after nights like that. Like I'm thinking of Migas for the first time at Rick's Country Kitchen and in Doha. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the hobo skillet I had in the restaurant in Bend, Oregon. Like I don't even remember the name of the restaurant, but I remember it was called the Hobo Skillet. And you know how much I love hobos, right? Of course. Well, we unfortunately we don't have time for the top ten hobos list. But I start thinking about some of those great meals too. And you're right, it's the unexpected great meals. But this last one is going to be an expected great meal because a couple nights before my wedding, I went out to the restaurant that I used to work at, a place called the Oyster Bar. It's on Chuckanut Drive, beautiful restaurant, great food. And I took my Mimi and grandpa who were there for the wedding and we took them out to dinner there. And it's one of those nice meals because I knew the servers, I knew the cooks, I knew everyone, and they all knew me. They knew I was getting married and they sent out like all these great appetizers and food. And I remember having, I think I had the halibut, which is a great dish is like with the orange glaze on it and with like chili flakes. It's super moist, super delicious. And like we had this fantastic meal. It was one of those meals that went on, I think for three hours. We just sat and talked and laughed and and it was me and my Mimi and Grandpapa and Emily and just having this wonderful meal. I just remember just how much joy we had there. And how nice it was to show my grandpapa, especially, who really loved fine wine and fine food, where I worked and just sort of have you know, that glow there. And everything was as great as it should have been. And it was just that perfect meal, you know, just days before my wedding. And it was, it was a meal that I knew was going to be great, and it didn't disappoint. That is so cool. You'll understand why I'm telling this story based on that one. I mean, on my list is a meal at a Greek restaurant back in New York named Uncle Nick's. Um, phenomenal Greek food. 8th Avenue, I think it was, in the 50s. And this was the first meal that Josie and I had with my parents, who had come in from Cleveland, and Josie's parents who were staying in Washington Heights. And so the first meal where all of us were together at once was shortly after we got engaged. And we had flaming halloumi. We had lamb, I'm sure. I can picture it more than I can remember the tastes. And there was, there was this great moment where my parents and Josie's parents were just sort of sitting there, and I forget who it was, asked, well, that took a while. Just like, you know, we had been together a little over six years at that point. And I remember that moment. And I remember enjoying the food. It maybe was less about the food and more about the family and the people that time. Absolutely, yeah. It's, sometimes it's the food and sometimes it's the experience the place and sometimes it's the people you're with 
And if you're lucky, it's all three of those. We could keep going on with great meals. But should we try a different yes. topic? Sure, we can do that. The top 10 opposite of neutral moments in your life. Okay, opposite of neutral moments. Perfect. I like that a lot. Shark. Yeah. I think working at the Oyster Bar, that restaurant I was telling you about that brought my Mimi and Grandpapa to, was one of those moments because I worked there for over a year and a half. But when I got the job, it was my brother-in-law, Frank, at the time, or he's still Frank. He's not my brother-in-law anymore. But he had offered, he, he said, you know, you just graduated college, you're saving money to go to Europe, you know, trying to find a job. It's like, I need a, need a cook. I'm like, I don't know how to cook. And he said, don't worry, I'll teach you. Like, I don't have any training. I can work as a dishwasher, work my way up. He's like, I need a cook, not a dishwasher. You're going to be my cook. And he says, I like the fact you don't have any training because I know you don't have any bad habits. I said, okay. And it's, it was one of those great educations. I learned so much about food. I learned, I've shucked hundreds of raw oysters. I made thousands of cheese souffles, made soups and fish. And I was the appetizer cook at the restaurant. One of my sort of claims to fame there is the X-Files being filmed nearby up in Vancouver. But the producers and the directors would drive down to this restaurant for their meals and their favorite dish was the smoked plate I would make which had like smoked oysters and smoked salmon and smoked fish and pickled beets and everything and you know I'd sort of drizzle it with herb oil and in beet juice and sort of bake this sort of artistic display you that created was this well I was told to make it and I started making my own flourishes they're like that looks great and I was the one who made it every night so I was the one who was doing that work. So it was amazing. So I learned so much doing that. And it was one of those things, places that, that took me well out of my comfort zone. I remember the time I chopped the top of my finger off working there because I was not paying attention to when I was cutting an onion and wrapped it up, put a Band-Aid on it. And I said, well, what do I do now? And the chef turns to me and he says, you've got three soups, three salads, and two crab cakes all day. Like, okay, back at it. And at the end of it all, I looked and, you know, I needed to rewrap my finger like five times that night, but I powered through in a way that I'd never sort of expected before. It's pretty cool. And at what point did you discover that your fingertip was missing? Oh, right away. No, no, it, my, my fingertip had gone down the drain when I rinsed off my wound. It was a pretty bad cut and then afterwards frank was like oh i thought you were just whining that you cut yourself like no i really hurt myself badly thanks frank oh that's amazing well i mean i guess i'm glad that you saw it disappear so you know for sure that it did not end up in food no it definitely did not i like that's the thing i wasn't even cooking yet i was chopping up an onion to throw in the compost that's why i wasn't paying attention to it i'm like oh i need to chop this up and put it in the compost because it smelled a little funky. And that's when I chopped it up. It was before the night even started. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm looking and see if I have anything like that. I really don't. My first one that I was going to share here is I was very interested in fluid mechanics in college because in my junior year of high school, I got to do this internship at 
a microgravity research facility, so space science. And there are these scientists that are exploring how fluids work in space. And so I thought that fluid physics was really interesting. So I saw that there was a fluid physics lecture. A professor was doing something on fluid turbulence, and he was doing a computer simulation. And I just thought that sounded very cool. So I decided, not really having that much understanding of how all this stuff works, I decided I'm going to go to the lecture. And it was fine, you know, as, as fluid physics goes. But the reason I bring it up is that one of the professors that taught some of my classes saw that I went to this lecture and he said, hey, I saw that you were there and were nodding along and it looked like you were understanding what was going on. How about this summer um, you take a job in my lab and, and we'll do some actual fluid turbulence experiments, not on the computer, but for real. And... That was an amazing result of just spur of the moment deciding to go to this thing. And working in this lab turned into an opportunity to work with this professor, Professor Chris Rogers, who later became one of my mentors in designing the engineering program at SSIS. When I took that job as STEM coordinator, he was one of the first people that I wrote and said, let's talk. And so he gave me all kinds of advice. He ended up sending one of his graduate students out to SSIS. Anyway, this professor, there were a bunch of us who found out that he got a Fulbright to go and study in New Zealand. And he said, hey, why don't you come? And I had never lived overseas for sure. Let's go do it. So that brought me to New Zealand. And I had an amazing time there. That's where I discovered traveling is pretty cool. And maybe I would want to do more of this. So this feeds into the whole future and my identity now as someone who's lived in a bunch of places around the world. And so I really do attribute so much of this all the way back to this moment when I said, you know what, I'm not just going to go and get a snack after my class. I'm going to go to this lecture from somebody and see what it's like. And it changed the course of my life. That's pretty cool. So for me, my second uh, opposite of neutral moment is actually from a professor as well. This was a time I was in a class as an undergraduate majoring in history and really liked this professor, also named Chris, Chris Friday. And I came up to him after class and said, hey, I'm really interested in going to graduate school. And he said to me, you know, graduate school is not for everyone. It's really competitive and gave me like the talk down like no hmm. basically what I was saying graduate school is not for you not for everyone and it's one of those moments that i had sort of the opportunity i could have said well you're right you know dr friday thanks for telling me and i could have chosen something else but a large part of me said what do you mean not for everybody you don't even know what i'm capable of and so I decided, since I was going to take another class from him the next quarter, I said, you know, I'm going to take this class and I'm going to wow him. I am going to make him see that, yeah, maybe graduate school is not for everybody, but I'm not everybody. And I did this study of looking at racialized images in the New Yorker during World War II and how did that contribute to 
argues that the, the Japanese, especially during the war, and did this whole piece. I read every New Yorker from 1941 through 1945 that existed and found all the images, made photocopies. It was deep in the library for hours upon end, days upon end, and then wrote this paper. And afterwards, he wrote on there, talk to me again about graduate school. And it was mm -hmm. one of those great things. And he also became a mentor for me, he wrote my letters of recommendation. He even put me in a footnote later on one of his work. And so it's kind of a cool moment that it could have gone one way, but I chose to make it go another way. That's really special. Those people who advise you and really step in and looking back, you realize that maybe it wasn't a conversation that had to happen. You have to wonder how much time the people put into planning this conversation. Like how much thinking did Chris have when he said, I'm going to offer Evan a chance to work in my lab this summer. This is what he needs for him reaching out to you and saying, graduate school, it's not for everybody. Like what drove him to say it at that moment? Because I hadn't proven myself. I still remember that conversation. It was like a walk after class. You know, class had gotten out at like four o'clock in the afternoon. It's the Northwest, so it's getting dark. We were walking across Red Square. I just sort of moseyed up to him and said, hey. And he, maybe, you know, something that I said in class wasn't that smart that day, whatever it was, he wasn't impressed yet. So had to take a chance to impress him. <laughs> I, f I spent a lot of time thinking about decisions I've already made and thinking about how I would, under different circumstances, play them differently. And so I wonder if he remembers that moment and saying, I'm just going to be honest, or he has potential and I don't want him to be cocky. All right, well, I'm going to give you one moment for which I actually have a photo. And this one doesn't have much of a backstory, I'll just tell you. When Josie was in labor and needed a C-section, she went ahead getting ready for the, the C-section, the operation, and I was told to put on scrubs, you know, put your clothes in here, put on the scrubs, put on the, it's not a hairnet, but the thing that goes over your hair. And just before going in, there was this moment where I stopped myself and I said, this moment is a big one. You know that it's about to happen. Just slow down, take a deep breath. And I took a picture, I took a selfie, and I have this of me with no idea what was about to happen. But I went in, C-section happened, and I saw Nora for the first time. It was incredible. That's amazing. That is an amazing feeling. I'll choose that as an opposite of neutral one as well. Because Emily with both children had C-sections, but with Greta, it was unplanned. You know, like we had planned a natural birth, and things went the way they needed to go, which ended up having a C-section. And Greta was out, I cut her cord, and it put her under like the heat lamp, and her cry was really soft. It wasn't like she was having trouble crying, and she just, they were really afraid, they thought they were gonna have to helicopter her to another hospital, and I just knew she needed to hear me and I'd been reading a book to her in the womb and I was it was an exciting day for baby bear he was going on his first camping trip and the tents were up and the beds were made 
Papa Bear said, let's go for a walk. And so I started reciting this book that I'd read to her so many times. And her eyes opened really wide. She looked at me and all the nurses and doctors looked at me too. Like this was, you know, they had never seen anything like this. And then her cry became strong. Like suddenly it, she'd be able to clear everything out and breathe properly. And it was just like, it was that thing that opened her up and it, and it was just that sort of natural reaction that I had. And that was the first words I spoke to my daughter. It was kind of amazing, a little bond there. I don't think I've ever heard that story, Chris. That's Thanks. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about top 10 and these moments, I think what, what strikes me is it's like what you said, forcing your students to do this, like taking the time to sit down and think through about the top moments. You don't have opportunities to do that sort of thing on a regular basis, or we don't take the time. I don't. You do with your top 10, I guess. And that's why it's such a cool thing that you do this. And maybe we all need to be doing something like this. I love this thought exercise of taking the time, and we don't do this enough, to reflect upon our lives, where we're coming from, where we're going. And sometimes we need to make ourselves do it in a way that you know, we hadn't really thought about it. So we said, okay, think, sit down and think about your life and all of your decisions. Like that's a, a lot to put on someone. But if you say to make a top 10 list of places you've traveled or meals you've eaten, and then you start to reflect on those people you've, you've shared that time with, places you've been, the places you want to go. It's, this is fun. I, I like this, Evan. Thank you very much for suggesting the top 10. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea what was going to happen. Maybe we should save some of these other things to prompt future episodes. Absolutely, because one of the things I've done with my top 10 on the 10th sometimes is say, I need songs to, to drive to. Or, and I said, float on by Modest Mouse as a song to drive to. Everyone else, give me more. You can please contribute to the top 10. So I'd love to hear from some of the listeners there on the email. What are some top 10 what are some opposite or neutral moments in your own lives we'd love to hear from you that sounds great opposite of neutral podcast at gmail.com all one word and uh, it'll be in the show notes as well so you'll be able to write us there maybe to wrap up for next week you had proposed something that we discussed just a bit today chris and this is actually came to me from my top 10 list this actually came from ted who said, I'd love to hear about seasons. And so let's hear about seasons. Let's talk about seasons in our top 10, not top 10, <laughs> still caught up here. So top next week on, on the opposite of neutral, we'll, let's talk about seasons and we'll see where we go. We'll have joy, we'll have fun, we'll have seasons in the sun. So long, Evan. Thanks a lot, Chris, this has been fun. I'm Evan, you're Chris, and this is opposite of neutral. So long, everybody.